Hi, and welcome to the Dewing Grain podcast. Dewing Grain are independent and local grade traders. From seed supply to harvest movement and storage contracts, they can offer you the best strategies to achieve the highest prices for your harvest. Each week on our podcast, we begin with the Dewing Grain Market Report, giving you up-to-date information and analysis, followed by Farm Chat, where we catch up on agricultural issues with a guest or two while sampling a beer. Andrew's favourite bit. So let's start with Andrew Dewing and this week's Market Report. Welcome to the Market Report. What follows are my thoughts or gut instincts on what the market is going to do. It is not an instruction to trade. Any decision to trade is yours. Market report for week commencing 7th of November 2022. Ben's with me, so I'm going to ask you, Ben, what is the value of oilseed rape for old and new crop roughly? So, old crop rapeseed X farm is 555 for February at the minute, and harvest you're going to be up into the probably 535, maybe even 540. So, wow. good values, yeah, definitely something to think about. Okay, I mean, the guys with crops that look like they're nearly ready to harvest because they've grown so much in this high temperatures they're happy the ones that had the stuff that's died on its feet they're going to pull it up and put wheat in aren't they yeah but also you know the guys that have pulled it up and put wheat in they're probably making the right decision because if they get a good wheat crop they will be in good shape anyway well let's talk about wheat prices while we're on it i mean old crop wheat has had a bit of a difficult time pre-christmas because there's been a lot of cancellations of deliveries for bird flu to you know the market is reduced if you like there hasn't been masses of export so spot prices for November are actually really quite low relatively because you can't really find a home but if you move into the new year I mean certainly the forward prices for next May is something in the region 278 something like that pretty aggressive so it's well in the 270s for old crop and if you look at new crop current futures value about 264 I think it was 263 so that makes X farm November about 250 pounds a tonne which is a profit, you know, without a doubt a return, even with the war premiums you're paying on your fertiliser and your inputs. Well, and just on that, the old crop milling premiums are good. You know, you're still up in the 45s. In the new year, got to be careful what I say here, but if Australia has been hit by this wet weather and they don't have the milling wheat available, it could push those premiums higher. And I think new crop milling wheat premiums with people saying, we don't have enough fertiliser to get the protein, you know, that's quite bullish, I think. So the miller has got to address that, haven't they? Yeah. Or they've got to address the spec of what they buy. Yeah. And then is there what can they replace protein with? I don't understand. Well, it's, it's this gluten, isn't it, which is basically a massively refined form of, of wheat where they've literally just got the protein. Mm. I mean, it costs a fortune, gluten, and it's not, not the best. You can't put loads of it into your flour, but... Is it something that would be more environmentally friendly than putting nitrogen on the land? good question that is a good question yeah we'll leave that one shall we leave that hanging right feed barley then yeah feed barley we got two boats in november actually and so therefore we could quite happily pay someone 251 delivered to ipswich so i don't know 244 245x 243x depending on where your farm is or how cheap your haulage can be once our boats have gone we will have a minimal stock and we will have some commitment to the consumers don't see a lot of point in keeping hold of feed barley with prices right up here i might well regret it but you know what i haven't got to keep blowing electricity on 
the stuff and I have the money in the bank and I think I'm happy I'm happy with the price it's like put it to bed and I would recommend anyone there are going to be storage issues this year you all think you put really dry grain into your store yes you did you also put it in at 30 to 35 degrees and there are issues we are a professional store unit and we are finding issues and we are addressing them immediately you will not believe what's going on in the tops of some of your silos today is the first day we've had anywhere near resembling a frost or somewhere down in the low sort of five or six degrees and the temperature of the grain inside is still 14 15 we have not been able to get the grain temperature down and therefore the tops of the bins are going to be sweating and everyone's going to have those sorts of issues it's a proper open your eyes and look at what's going on in your stores moment because if you don't and you open the door in three weeks time when you 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 need to go and get a spanner or something and you go oh what's that green stuff on the top there is going to be major storage issues so keep awake to that one i think that's it with that have a great week's trading thanks for helping me out on this one ben and catch you next week bye thank you for listening please remember that any decision to trade on this opinion is yours thank goodness the norfolk dinner is back in your face covid Hosted by the Norfolk Institute of Agricultural Merchants, this year's event will be at St Andrew's Hall in the centre of Norwich on Thursday the 19th of January 2023. There'll be food, a chance to talk and meet with each other, plus you can even get your name on the wall and be famous. To book your tickets and find out about sponsorship, email ben at doinggrain.co.uk. So that's the Norfolk Dinner, 19th of January 2023, St Andrew's Hall, Norwich. Be there or be square. Oh, and don't forget to book the Friday off. You'll need it. Let's make the grain trade alive and thrive again. All right, this week we have got Ben and Josh and myself because Webby's moving house. Morning. Hello. And we've had a pretty heavy week, haven't we, this last week? Ben? Yeah, there's there's been a lot going on, hasn't there? Monday, the grain corridor was closing. Actually, on that one, I've got to say... Oh, no. Yeah, well, bearing in mind the opening statement last week was, I can't see Vladimir closing the corridor, to which the first thing that happened after the whole thing was edited and sent off was, he decided to close the corridor. So Monday, all you non-believers who thought, yeah, Vlad's going to close the corridor, he only suspended it, and by Tuesday morning, it was open again. Well, hang on. He closed the corridor. The Turks and the UN kept it open. But the market, I mean, what it was 10 quid up in a matter of minutes, wasn't it? And it was just like, what the hell? Yeah, it got to about 14 quid up, didn't it? And then sort of eased off a bit. And then obviously on Wednesday, it <laughs> complete change. It was crazy. I mean, it was before I think it even hit any news wires, it had dropped. Mm. And about five minutes later, then anyone that you speak to, suddenly the news came out. So. I mean, I hate to sound... I mean, I'm not that old. I know I look old, but I'm not that old. And I was speaking to a, a broker who's been in the grain trade for a very long time, and he was laughing and said, God, I remember the days when the market would move 50p in a week and people got excited. Listen, I don't really give a damn which way the market goes, as long as I'm lucky and get the right side of it. But it's, I, what I like is being right. And old Vlad realising <laughs> that the Doing Grain podcast could be compromised by the fact that he closed the corridor after I'd stated it wouldn't be, was obviously that worried him. Very much so. But no, it's definitely gone. Speechless. <laughs> yeah, speechless. Well, I don't know about speechless. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so, you know, we, we had that going on. You know, bird flu is still having a massive impact. Yeah, it's massive. I mean, obviously we joked about it before, but Ian's interactive map that he will not get off his computer is actually quite interesting. Mm. And it's, I mean, it's in Norfolk, it's all over Norfolk. Yeah, it's quite scary. 
well, it's getting all over the whole of the UK, isn't it? Yeah. And, yeah, get your turkey crown booked, and by the way, it'll be a frozen one. Yeah, I mean, obviously, it's, you know, it is affecting demand. It's reducing demand on the feed side. The compensation agreement the government has put in place, they're all feeling pleased themselves and pat themselves on the back. The reality of that is, if someone finds bird flu in their flock, they notify DEFRA. DEFRA then come out at their leisure... Uh, bearing in mind the speed of these things and the number of people they've got to go and visit. But if you say take five days, which is at least what it's taking, by that time a lot of your flock is dead. And they pay money for the birds that are still alive, not the ones that are dead. So it's not enough. It's going to cripple the industry. And the new minister is kind of patting themselves on the back going, hey, we've done a great job there, but they don't grasp it. Yeah, it makes you angry, doesn't it? It's an inefficient system run by idiots. And I will say there was a one of the comments made was that there's a Suffolk MP. It's the Barry St Edmunds, I think. I can't remember which particular slot she works in, but she's definitely got her mind on it. I said, so is there any any other Suffolk MPs that uh, you know obviously relevant? He's oh yeah, where well, one of them's in Australia. That's gonna uh, yeah, that's a very interesting move for him, isn't it? Right, well, he's an idiot. I don't, let's not discuss him. That's a waste of time. <laughs> but, so it's been, you know, this week continues to be just a week that you're never going to forget. And let's not forget, you know, Bank of England interest rates up three quarters of a percent. We're now at three percent. It was the largest single increase for 30 plus years. The cost of living crisis is, is not over. And Sterling reacted by dumping yesterday, which was, which was uh, sorry, on Thursday, which was phenomenal. Has it recovered a bit? It's recovered a bit, but people are still, I think everyone's just sitting there now waiting. The budget's the 17th of November, taxes are going up. What, you know, it's how he does it, I think. Rishi's U-turned on the conference, hasn't he? Which yeah. is a good thing, but he shouldn't have said that in the first place. It's not a great start, and there's clearly the deal they did to keep Boris out is paying a price as well with this immigration thing, isn't it? I mean, there's a, that big thing about the, the immigrants being sent to Norwich. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And Norwich City Council didn't know they were coming. <laughs> didn't even know which hotel they were going to go to because they don't. there's no coordination between the Home Office and the local council, so they just send it via a third-party contractor, probably a Tory donor, who sort of organised that, and basically they send it to a hotel. And then sometimes the head of City Council in Norwich learnt the details of that by reading The Guardian. <laughs> he didn't realise they had been sent to Norwich. Oh, God. Grain prices going through this, you know, Vladimir Putin, what's his next trick? Sink a grain boat? That, that would have the same effect, wouldn't it? I think, I suspect that's a possibility. Yeah. Well, he's, he's muted that there's, you know, stuff being smuggled in on them or something, or, you know, who knows, any excuse, chuck some muck in the air. And then you've got the bird flu underlying, which is a big impact. It looks like the biofuel plants are looking to keep going. They seem to be in the market ahead into Jan, Feb, March, April, May, June. So that, that's okay. a good sign. I was expecting them to announce closure because of the cost of the base product in the first place. That seems to be, at the moment, not the case. So that's quite good news for prices. Yeah. We've got this underlying, well, social unrest stroke. We're going to have, you know, in France they're marching and the petrol ban and, you know, the strikes that are stopping everything and people marching in the streets. Well, I'm afraid I've been predicting that for a while, but it's it's coming here, isn't it? And that's, you know, what's that? what effects that can have on prices, sentiment, value of the pound, etc.? I mean, I think the sentiment on grain commodity prices, something like that, is bearish. People will just fundamentally eat less, reduce demand. But having said that, we still have a lot of bullish stories out there. Argentina is, is still dry, and their wheat crop's been written down again. The torrential rains in Australia, eastern Australia, are phenomenal. No, there, there won't be milling wheat. There'll be milling wheat there, but there won't be the volume that they need. 
So what happens next? I don't know. No, I think as well, slightly anecdotally, but there's UK is going to have a massive wheat crop next year, in my opinion. We went to something on Tuesday, and I spoke to a few guys in the sea trade, and whilst they didn't have the biggest autumn, I think the the general consensus is that farmers will have probably the biggest, one of the biggest ever drilling windows they've had, and they're going to plant potentially 1.9 to 2 million hectares worth of wheat, which is just under 16 million tonnes, which is a big crop. Yeah, absolutely right. That's, that is a bearish yeah. local issue, isn't it? But if, if by looking at the torrential rains in Australia, you have to say, as another example of global warming, climate change, and that climate is going to do all sorts of weird things next spring. And it's either yeah. wet or it's hot. And hot doesn't do crops the world are good, as we all know. So those things are all kind of floating. So if you took a short-term view, you have to be bearish on the basis of how everything looks. But if you take a longer-term view, it's 10 months until next harvest. What weather event, how much of a weather event is going to kick the whole thing off? The Ukraine is 50% off the pitch regardless. That's one of the biggest surplus or suppliers in the marketplace gone or reduced. That leaves everybody else having to perform to full or optimum yield. And Mm. We've already got Argentina slightly down. How many others, how many rivers in Europe will be low level next year because of the lack of rain? How many of the, the rivers in China will be low? How many, how big or how small will the monsoon or the heat wave be in India or Pakistan? And how much can Pakistan actually produce this year? All of those things is one weather event away from the world, which is now looking at commodity prices at very high levels and very volatile. What brings traders to a market? Volatility. Yeah. So they're looking. If everyone's searching for a, a thing to make money from, so now, now they don't pay tax on their bonuses, then commodities is going to be one of the first things they say, right, there's a drought going on in the States in the corn planting. Let's go for it. Let's buy it now. Go crazy. And up we go. So bearish, short-term, potential bullish, exceptional prices. Crazy. And then there's the political, Russia becomes user-friendly and all of a sudden... Oh, it's all right. We'll be nice and friends again and have some gas and here's some cheap wheat. And it could be 40 quid down in a weekend because they've just said Vlad's decided to send Christmas cards to everybody. Yeah, yeah. No, that's what we're dealing with on a day-to-day basis. Yeah, so war premium has been paid for the fertiliser and war premium prices are sitting there staring at us and how many people are taking advantage of them for enough tons and that's the biggest thing that's haunting me i'm reluctant to really steam in and sell the craziness out of new crop because i can see all of these bullish reasons but there is a war premium that all of our customers have paid for the product to grow the stuff should we be more proactive in saying look on the basis of that alone you should be selling new crop now that's a really strong argument and there's a lot that's gone in and it's in really good condition. Anyone, well, up until now, we've been telling anyone that buys fertiliser to be selling new crop against it. And I think largely most people have, but there's still yeah. a few that haven't. So, yeah, I mean, it's a little bit deja vu, this podcast, but the difference we've got now is that we have interest rate rises that, and they're going to continue. And I think that's just going to add more doom and gloom to the economic outlook of the UK. Yeah. So, but as we're an upbeat podcast, let's talk about this week in the context of uh, things we've done. Because you, you, Ben, went to London on Tuesday. T- Tuesday, and Josh and I went to London on Tuesday to do a yeah. separate. And we thing. didn't meet up, but yeah, you know. Yeah. Well, I, was, I obviously caught the half past five train because I'm very serious. What about yourself? I caught the, I can't remember, seven o'clock train, I think. Josh? Josh. I got back pretty late. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's what I'm going to say about that. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, um, <laughs> yeah, no, we went to the MAGB lunch at the Armours Hall, Josh and I did. It was really good. I really enjoyed it. It was a fabulous setting. And I would say that the mood in the malting industry is optimistic. I would say that my biggest observation is the that particular slice or part of the industry was controlled by an old 
guard. There was a load of old boys who absolutely had a tight grip on that. And if you weren't one of the club, you kind of had to like continuously touch your forelock and, and bow to them as, as long as I can remember. And they're gone. It's a young bunch right they're not it's not all great to be young and and you know whatsapping all the time but there is a different mood and you know there's optimism and there's an industry that's certainly growing the amount of uh, malting distilleries that are being built in scotland is going to mean there's a phenomenal demand for malting barley looking ahead and they're going to be chasing for that tonnage there's no two way you can't keep producing places that that consume the product without there being a reaction to the price so i'm very very optimistic about the potential for the future of farmers who can grow malting barley very good yeah yeah definitely i agree i, I like that event actually because i don't know how many people there were what 100 ish maybe yeah. uh, but it was quite an, it was a nice size and you could really get around and have a chat with people and everyone seemed pretty cheerful i don't think anyone was miserable which is quite nice what about you what do you do oh i, did, I was hoping because <laughs> you just said let's get upbeat and you know what i did mm. i went to a defra the crowd crowd you're listening don't <laughs> i went to a defra organic strategy meeting and well it wasn't overly bullish i'll be honest no the organic market isn't a little bit of a muddle yeah because the price of ordinary stuff is pretty well up there anyway yeah organic demand has come down because it always gets hit in a recession and the recession this time is going to be very long yeah longest ever and bigger exactly so the quinoa buyers in Chelsea are going to find a shortage of supply, aren't they? So there was a lot of chat about 2008, which was obviously the financial banking recession brought on by the bankers. But the difference there, where the, the organic market lost loads of demand, but it literally lost it in a year and gained it within the same year because everything bounced back and interest rates remain low. But as you say, Andrew, we've now got this two-year possible downturn with high interest rates. And the organic market, you know, one of the guys there said, it's ridiculous, we... I think they do some dairy, organic dairy into a, a, some yogurts. And the organic yogurts are the same price as conventional yogurts. And it's like, what's the point? And the supermarket is saying, well, if we put the prices up, we're going to lose even more demand. So the answer is no organic. Yeah, I don't think we're there yet. They're... No, because there's a whole lot of organic growers who are going to be growing organic. What their problem is going to be is they're not getting a premium for their product against conventional growers, which will make them feel a bit bitter and twisted, won't it? it well, not enough of a premium. And this has always been the issue with the organic market, isn't it? In that it does very well when economies are booming and everything's rosy and people have lots of disposable income. But, you know, if you get a downturn, people cut back on food. And I know there will be that core who will not stop buying organic, but then there's not enough of them to support the industry. No way. No, that's an interesting dilemma. And bearing in mind the new king's attitude to organic growing and so on, well, the world's got to change very dramatically to get to a place where everyone embraces organic product as what they want to buy in the supermarket. It's not going to happen, is it? No. People without the cash are not going to pay an extra quid for a tin of beans, are they? The organic, fundamentally, the organic system won't feed the world. It might save it environmentally, but it's not, you can't feed everyone. No, which is becoming the bigger issue. So optimism again for grain producers and (laughs) grain traders. You know, it's November. It's a very big month for movements. We've got a couple of feed barley boats to do. We've got a molten barley boat to do. We've got lots and lots of wheat deliveries being cancelled because of bird flu. A little bit tight for wheat movements in the month. But largely, yeah, we're about to have our audit for last year's accounts, which is the sooner we get them through, the better, because they're, you know, worth bragging about. And then, yeah, that's about where we're at, isn't it? It's- well, then we'll be into Christmas, won't we? And I mean, sort of, the other bright light, I will say, is that oilseed prices have picked up. 
I mean, ironically, a combination of weak sterling and, and I think people just coming in and, and buying Matty for Apeseed. You know, there is demand there and those prices are rallying. So, you know, but again, we know that rapeseed that's been drilled, some of it looks fantastic. Some of it is just not going to make it. It's going to be pulled up. Absolutely right. OK, with that, that's a good short, short sweep. And our man is busy. Moving re- into his caravan. Yeah. Caravan for Christmas. Yeah. I think we should actually get a picture of that and post it on our socials because it is particularly lovely. We've got a picture of it. Is it the right caravan? It's not. No, no, it's the right. And the best thing is, it's got these Greco-Roman pillars by the door. It's amazing. Honestly, it's gorgeous, this thing. It's lovely. I mean, I'd love to go there and move it. I think it's quite a big... It's not like your your, your ordinary, like, you know... A big enough digger, that'll move. Yeah, it's a 17-bedroom caravan. (laughs) Anyway, with that, have a great week's trading, and we shall see you next week. Thank you. See you later. Cheers. Thanks for listening. Make sure you subscribe to get new episodes as they are released and follow us on Twitter. We are at Dewing Grain. Call Dewing Grain on 01263 731550 or email info at dewinggrain.co.uk. The Dewing Grain podcast is produced by East Coast Design Studio in Norwich.